This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you all. And uh, on behalf of Brant, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier, we welcome you along to uh, the next three hours of uh, our show. Uh, and we're going to try and entertain you with uh, some rugby this morning with uh, Jamie Wall coming up very shortly. Uh, we're going to have uh, a talkback time too, uh, might be prompted by my sermon. I'd uh, love to hear uh, your uh, aspects of what you saw over the rugby at the weekend and the Warriors uh, first up. Um, and the golf, if you're watching the golf. So plenty for you to talk to us on uh, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811, love to hear your thoughts. Um, Brock Rusco, of course, uh, Brock Rusco is uh, former Tall Black, but he's uh, a basketball commentator these days and was courtside. Uh, when the breakers uh, blew an opportunity to go two games in front. So what it effectively means is they're going to have to win in Sydney to win the championship. They've done it once. Can they do it again? James Regan and Ben Strang are, of course, uh, on the panel this morning that we like to have and review on uh, about 10.20. Uh, Vossi, after 11 o'clock, uh, we will have uh, your text as well, double eight double three double eight double three. Uh, that'll be great if we can get some uh, feedback from you. Uh, we'll also visit the sports desk uh, and we'll have a stump smithy as we look to uh, round out the last hour uh, this morning. So uh, let's get on with it. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon. So what's in a good old throat slip between friends? Apparently enough to warrant a judiciary appointment for Adi Savia. What prompted Savia to do it? We will probably never exactly be privy to, but what broke his tolerance level to that extent? And if referee James Dolman had have seen it at the time, would he have turned yellow into red himself? The TMO these days has uh, around eight minutes to do just that if he sees fit. He didn't. It's not a good look from anyone these days. Savia acknowledged that with an apology as soon as the uh, opportunity afforded it. He's such a highly regarded man, let alone all black. The kids love him and therein lies a bit of a problem. This role model stuff. Judiciary panels are usually inclined to factor the image and the good of the game into their decisions. So the fact that they summoned him to explain when he's already apologised for his action uh, is interesting in itself. Up till now, it's probably been deemed by most to have been laid to rest. But if he gets a week on the sideline, maybe two, then it will hit the fan, mark my words. The fact that it was in the harker is irrelevant. It wasn't a great look then, and it's not unanimously, unanimously received by all as such at the time. My guess he will get the good old-fashioned wet bus ticket treatment, and a don't do it again. Now, that is just the sensible outcome, but then again, we are talking judiciary, so watch this space. Yeah, mate. Uh, no, I can understand the fans are furious around the gesture that I made, mate. It's just the heat of the moment kind of thing, you know. It's it's footy, but I understand, you know. We kids are watching us, but you know we we're in the heat of the moment, you know. 
usually that's out of character for me. So I put my hand up first and I apologise for that. Yeah, Super Rugby's uh, Super Round in Melbourne yielded some fantastic results overall and plenty of entertaining rugby in one location. Great concept. It only took the Chiefs nine seconds to open the scoring and they just carried on business as usual on their way to a 52-29 demolition of Moana Pacifica. Uh, the Blues stumbled against the Brumbies. The Crusaders got back to their winning ways. The Highlanders didn't. And something happened in the Hurricanes game. You might have heard it by now. We've just heard it from Artie himself. Artie himself. So uh, one man who loves all things Wellington rugby is Jamie Wall. So we'd get him on to, to talk about uh, what he saw about this and what do you think will, will happen. Uh, good morning to you, Jamie. The Artie Savia gesture has become one of the talking points. Uh, will it be laid to rest uh, with the judiciary and uh, what way do you think they might go? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, good question. I think given the unique circumstances around the fact that he had the ability to basically get on the mic after the game and say what he said at the end, which I think was a pretty contrite uh, apology. Um, I've, I've definitely heard <laughs> uh, worse ones than that. Um, he did manage to kind of cover off all of his bases with what he said, though, by saying that, uh, firstly, I'm sorry, and secondly, it's footy and it's the heat of the moment, so therefore kind of making an excuse for it. But then saying, oh, but then the kids are watching us, so we shouldn't be doing it. It's like, okay, you've, you, you've kind of covered a lot of areas um, with what you're saying there. And I think that because he did that, they're not going to throw the book at him uh, so hard. Um and and also, I think what will happen is because it was a separate uh, incident to um, the, uh, the 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 car the, the reason he was yellow carded in the first place, it may just get upgraded to a standalone red, and then maybe like one week or or, or they might even just leave it at that because of course he has he had actually um, got ahead of it by by doing that post match interview. Like, like I said, it's a very unique situation. Um, and and we haven't really seen anything like this uh, happen uh, before, at least in a professional game. Um, you know, I have to say that stuff like this is relatively commonplace in club rugby grounds uh, around the country. Does that make it an uh, acceptable thing? No, but, you know, for someone who is still playing, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I don't really see what the fuss is all about, really. Like, you don't win games by being nice to the opposition. Uh, and especially a guy like uh, Ryan Lawrence, um, who was clearly winding um, Artie up. And I'm not—I don't want to make excuses for this, but I think I think that it could have been handled a little bit better by the referee there. Um, when you have scuffles like that, one of the first things they should do is to clear the area in which they're talking to a player that gets carded. Um, and he simply let that, that Rebels halfback get up in Artie's face and escalate the situation um, to what it did. So. I think there's there's a, definitely a lesson there for the officials uh, to take out of that as well. Well, they got a, a red card as well in the mix, the Hurricanes, and a fairly mixed performance, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Tafita uh, Mafalio uh, picks up a red card for foul play. Uh, they led 24-7 at half-time and just got away with it in the end, 39-33. Yeah, they did. I, I think you have to give the Rebels uh, a bit of credit. They would have been going in is fair underdogs to that game and they, they played pretty well I think um, for a team with their roster and their stature you know obviously it's it's their big day or big weekend you know being able to host um, the Super Round uh, as it were and, and rise to the occasion uh, but yeah I think I think it probably says uh, a bit more about how like 
the potential of this Hurricanes team that they managed to overcome not only yeah the red um, to Mafalia, but also losing their captain and best player uh, pretty much in, in one go and still be able to win. That's the mark of like a team that actually has some has some fighting qualities uh, within it. Uh, and you know you saw a similar situation happen to the Blues on Sunday, where they probably didn't end up in a situation where they wanted to be, and they lost the plot a bit in that second half and didn't really know where to go. So I'm not I'm not coming out and saying that you know the Hurricanes are going to win the win the comp or anything like that, not yet anyway. Um, but there's definitely a lot of potential uh, in the side, and it's a good young group that they've got. So yeah, fairly hopeful that they can pull off some some bigger wins in weeks to come. Well, the commentators will stay on that Blues performance, actually. The commentators have pointed to the Brumbies as saviours of Australian rugby because it's not that often that uh, one of their franchises beats one of ours, especially a, a side uh, that has uh, won 16 out of 17. Um, and uh, they head, of course, to Melbourne. They didn't even have to go to Canberra. It was all in Melbourne uh, and get done there. So for Leon McDonald, uh, just a reality check? Yeah, big reality check. Uh, big one because... That's not a bad Brumby side. I think it's a pretty serious hyperbole to be saying that they're the saviours of Australian rugby. Like that is a a good team that should be getting regular results against New Zealand sides. You know, I'm not saying they should be beating the Blues and the Crusaders every week, but if they're playing on Australian soil, they they should be going in with a fair amount of confidence. And they took advantage of what was a stinking hot day in Melbourne. I think it was 33 degrees over there and perhaps the Blues had just been sitting in Melbourne waiting for their time to come and just getting a bit too hot because they they just came out and just did not look good at all and the Brumbies just ripped into them. They got that penalty try. Um, when uh, An interesting uh, factor when, when you get a penalty try early in a game um, for a driving uh, line-out drive, which is what a lot of them seem to be these days, is it completely changes the complexion of the way the, the defending team will go about how they stack up against a, a line-out drive for the rest of the game. And that's why we saw another one happen. I think it was just before half-time when Lachlan Monaghan managed to get over the, get over the line. The Blues just had nothing when they, when they went to defend that one. So I think that immediately put them on the back foot as well. Also, being reduced to 13 players didn't help as well. But that second half, you would have thought they would have come out in that second half and just made something happen. They've been, you know, uh, restored back to 15 players. They, you know, Bowden Barrett was sort of getting his hands on the ball enough. You know, RTS was having a reasonably decent involved game as well. But then to not even score any points in that in that second half is baffling, really. No, none, of, none of that game, none of that second half at least, made sense. Um, and, I mean, you have to say that the, the Brumbies really deserve that result. All right, let's look at um, the Chiefs uh, who continue to march on. Impressive winners round one and accounted for Moana Pacifica uh, pretty much uh, as they wanted, 52 to 29. Um, and they're strong at nine. This Cortez Ratama is uh, starting to uh, make some waves. Yeah, he certainly is. And that will come as no surprise to anyone that's kept an eye on the Chiefs in Waikato in the, in the last few years. Like, this kid has had a lot of raps on him, and um, I, I think we'll be seeing him at higher higher level in so, at some stage in the future, probably not not this season, and maybe not next season either. But you know, he is he definitely is a really uh, strong bit of evidence that the the pathway system for the next uh, halfback is is going pretty well um, there. I, I will have to say though that game that was another 
game of two halves. I hate to bring up that cliche, but that's exactly what it, what it felt like. The, the Chiefs obviously got off to an incredible start, um, scoring within the first 10 seconds. And then, uh, you know, we're up, I think it was what, 31 to 3 at half time. And, and Moana had basically not even touched the ball. And it was like thinking, you're sitting there thinking, like, oh man, is this going to be an absolute drubbing? You know, are they going to put 70 or 80 on them? Um, right now, and it's going to be we're going to be worrying about <clears throat> the future of the whole minor Pacific concept after this. Um, but to their credit, they came out and absolutely fired in the second half. I thought um, they were really impressive, uh, and they managed to create a really chaotic um, game situation that the Chiefs just kind of didn't really have an answer to. And it's just because they'd managed to build up such a buffer in that first half uh, that they they sort of just buttoned off and let Moana come in and score a whole bunch of points. But at the same time, it really showed that Moana, if they, if the circumstances fit them right, like it did a couple of times last year, they do have the firepower to, to take down a decent team. Because if they could do what they did in the second half in the first and then tighten up their game plan in the second and hold on to a lead, you know, they can, they can knock off teams. Um, but, and also, I think it showed that the Chiefs have some very exploitable weaknesses in there. Like, we're all getting on the, the sort of the buzz that the, the Chiefs are going to be the team to beat uh, in this competition so far. And they've, they've played some fantastic footy. And, you know, they're, they're making some players in their team look really, really good. Um, and I'm talking about the likes of um, Sean Stevenson here. Uh, and mm. you, you, you would have to think that they'd, you know, one more one next week and you'd, you'd be putting them as sort of uh, up uh, as favourites if they can sort of gain gain some sort of early ascendancy to getting a, uh, a home final advantage there. Uh, but at the same time, there was enough in that second half that Moana did to show other teams like, hang on, they, they're a little bit scratchy here and there. So, you know, a lot of interest. It was an interesting game, much more interesting than the score I might have suggested. Right, OK. Um, just looking at uh, Mackenzie v... Moanga v Barrett. Uh, you know, are we convinced that um, of uh, who's showing the best early season form yet? Yeah, yeah. Good, good question. I think um, obviously Richie uh, played a really good game on Friday. Again, though, it it was against a, a horrible Highlanders team. It has to be said um, that that's a team that's in deep trouble at the moment, and like only some sort of re reimagination of how talent gets distributed around the country is actually going to help them because if you look at their roster and then you look at the sort of guys that aren't even making the bench for some of the other teams you'd be like or well, how is this even happening but anyway back to the first fives situation um yeah rich was really good on friday uh dmac is playing some of the best footy of his career and I mean, Bowden obviously didn't get the result, but he still showed in that game. There were a few touches that it was like only Bowden Barrett could do stuff like that. There was one where uh, a kick got charged down, and he had to recover it in his own in goal. Um, and then he nonchalantly stepped past a couple of guys, and then put in a banana kick that went all the way up to halfway. And then it just reminds you that like this is why this guy was World Player of the Year twice. You know, the, you know the, 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 the things he can do that no one else can do. So. It's a really intriguing situation. We're not going to have a clear picture of you know who's the who's the number one guy for a, probably a couple of months now. Um, but I think heading into a World Cup year, they re, they really have to just put put all their chips on one of these guys and go, "You're our man. 
whether it's Bowden or Richie, and then just say to the other one, well, like, you're either on the bench or you're out of the squad because we can't shoot one, both of you into the team because we need one guy in charge of the whole thing. Can't take a trick, Jack, could you? Um, left the field with a groin injury. Man, you've got to feel sorry for this kid because at his best, he's certainly uh, seriously uh, an all-black contender, very much a World Cup squad member, but you just wonder if he's cursed. Yeah, yeah, pretty sad. And also, like, pretty sad what happened to Anton Leonard-Brown as well um, last week. Mm. You know, these guys have just come back from sort of long injury layoffs and, and to have them fall down straight away is... is it's it's upsetting because you would you would have those guys probably inked into your World Cup squad uh, later in the year, um, but every time they get hurt, it sort of just makes you think. Well, should we start looking at some someone else? You know, Rico didn't exactly cover himself in glory yesterday by not passing when he should have, uh, but there are some other good midfield options uh, out there. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, hopefully these injuries that these two guys have got aren't so serious um, and that hopefully, fingers crossed, that Geordie can just stay healthy um, for the rest of the season because um, there's going to be a lot riding on um, what he's going to be able to do at 12. Well, the Drua had a win last week, albeit um, a very narrow one against Moana Pacifica, but uh, they get to Melbourne and they front up against the, the Waratahs, who are far from Australia's best and get uh, a bit of a kicking, 46-17 on the back of mine, a Pacifica, of course, uh, as well, getting a hiding. So are we, where are we at with, uh, early on into the second year for, for these two franchises? Well, firstly, I'd like to, I, I reckon that that result kind of says more about the Waratahs than it does about the draw, because the Waratahs are a really youthful team with some really... Um, promising players and there you got that Taney in mid at uh at first five um they've got Max Jorgensen out on the wing who the Australian commentators are talking up like he's the next bloody Joe Nalomu um and a, a lot of other guys in that side who who they're getting really excited about for the next for their next World Cup cycle so it's it's quite good to see the Waratahs back and clicking into some sort of cohesive unit um and one that perhaps could could knock off a couple of New Zealand teams because Australian rugby does kind of need that. They talk about the Brumbies being the saviour of Australian rugby. Well, really, it has to be the Waratahs because they're the big money team. They're in Sydney, and um, they Australian rugby needs that that high profile in a, in a city like that. Uh, with the draw, though, I mean, the, their issue, and we talked about this the other week on the panel, that they the the interchangeability of their squad because so many guys are getting contracts year after year, and that every year the team seems to be quite new. Um, that's their biggest issue. I was quite impressed with what they did uh, in the tight. Um, it's one thing where Fijian teams have often been in more of a kind of a developmental stage, but their, the work rate of their forwards um, in the first half, uh, especially close to the line, was, was actually quite impressive. So they've definitely got the, the firepower out back to score some good tries. Uh, it's just it, it was quite good to see that they did have stuff in at their set piece uh, and close to line. But yeah, it's always going to be quite up and down with them. But in the drawers' favour, they they've got a start of a run of home games coming up, and I think this is where we're really going to see uh, what they're made of because now um, you're going to have teams going up to Fiji. It's going to be thirty odd degrees, hundred percent humidity. 
and playing in front of really big, passionate crowds that are going to get behind their team. We saw last year what the, that effect can have when they almost knocked off the Chiefs um, in La Toca and, and probably the best game of the year. So I, I am hopeful that uh, in a few weeks' time we're going to be talking about um, the draw in much more positive ways. Always great to catch up with you, uh, Jamie, and uh, thank you very much for your review of the weekend in Super Rugby. And uh, I, I, I'm with you, I think, uh, with the Artie's thing. I think it's, I think he's going to, I think he's going to escape, but um, uh, I don't think he'll do it again in a hurry. And I don't think anyone else should either. Hey, mate, thanks very much for your time. Cheers, Matthew. Talk to you later. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, uh, Jamie. Wall there. Uh, coming in to uh, look at uh, Super Rugby over the weekend and uh, certainly some very, very interesting results. They really are. Oh, I think it's shaping up to be a hell of a contest this year. 9.23. Another year and more great yarns in the afternoon with Staffy. Give him a call each weekday from 12 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. James Illustrate, bowling! He's bowling! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Wellington Blaze captain Lee Kasparuk paid uh, tribute to a major team effort from her Halliburton Johnson Shield winning squad, as well as paying tribute to retiring Cantabrian and White Ferns legend Amy Satterthwaite after a hard-fought national final went down to the wire in Queenstown. Uh, the last ball finish denied the Canterbury Magicians the super smash Halliburton Johnson Shield double that they'd been hoping for and saw Kasparuk's Blaze claim the one-day trophy for the first time since 2003-2004, when the title was incidentally shared with the Magicians after a washed-out final a long time ago. It was the first that the Blaze, uh, first time the Blaze had lifted the trophy outside since 1989-90, which also has been uh, Canterbury's expense, and reversed the Blaze's hard loss to Otago Sparks, the same venue, remember, they lost to Sid Cummings Sparks uh, last season's final. The Magicians had uh, needed six off the last ball if they were den- to deny the Blaze. The, the victory, but uh, rookie Nicola Beard permitted only one single off her last ball to ensure Wellington clinched a drought-breaking four-ball victory. So congratulations to them. And every ball of Maddie Green's fourth-list A-list century uh, in the first innings, a runnable 106 had proved uh, vital to her side. It equaled her uh, career best and was her second ton for the Wellington Blaze and third in the Halliburton Johnson Shield competition. Loves that comp. That's uh, maybe her level. All of the Blazers' frontline bowlers kept things tight. Casper uh, going on to get four for 46 in her turnovers. Uh, surely they must be taking notice of this girl again. Surely four for 46. And Baird finished with two for 44. Wasn't the fairy tale ending for Satterthwaite, but neither team would allow her to slink off into the sunset without some sort of fanfare. She had led the Magicians team on and off the field in the first innings. And the Wellington Blaze team formed a guard of honour in the middle as she walked out to bat for the last time. She received a standing ovation as she came back in with her last half century by her name. And following the trophy presentation, the entire Wellington Blaze squad, together with uh, Leah Tahuhu, uh, commentators um, Susie Bates, Katie Martin and Frankie Mackay, sang the White Ferns Waiata in her tribute.
it's um an interesting one. It it sort of hit me. Uh, I think I said this morning to Leah. It was that realization that this is it. Um, I've been leading up to it for the last wee while, and I felt really comfortable with it and really content with my decision. And um, yeah, happy about that. But when it actually comes to being the last day, it was interesting sort of emotions and. I actually um, had to write a little note on the wall just saying don't be sad um, that it's over, be happy that it happened and uh, I just wanted to keep reminding myself of what I've I guess been through over the last 20 or so years, um, how much I've enjoyed it and just wanted to try and smile as much as I could and just really enjoy this last moment whether we won or lost and I, I feel like for the most part I've been able to do that which I'm happy about. Um, sort of feel a little bit spent, just feel like you sort of gave it your all for the last game and, and then at some point hopefully be able to sit down and, and really reflect and just want to enjoy the night because you know that it's the last one and the last one in the change room as a player so yeah hopefully I can do that. Yeah, Amy Satterthwaite there, a fine career and a fine tribute, a fine farewell uh, to a, a wonderful cricketer for New Zealand. 9.31 here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150-811 is the number. There must be plenty you want to talk about. Adi Savia's situation. Uh, what do you feel about that? Uh, is it, uh, as you said, just a, a rush of blood, heat of the moment thing? I don't think there's anything too long-lasting in it from Adi's point of view. He's had a pretty damn good record, hasn't he, uh, going up to this point? It was just um, something got under his skin big time, big, big time, and he reacted in that way. So... Um, but it wasn't the right way. Uh, I think we acknowledge that. But I'd love to hear um, what you think of uh, what you think the outcome might be from the judiciary. What did you make of uh, Super Rugby over the weekend? Uh, some interesting results there. And uh, what about your team? Are you happy with the way Blues fans? Um, bit of uh, a hiccup there. Didn't see that coming after having won 16 out of 17, and then uh, to go away and lose to Brumbies basically on neutral territory. Thought that was a bit of a surprise. What else uh, is happening over the weekend? Well, of course, the golf. If you're at Millbrook, tell us about that experience. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, with uh, a veteran, Brendan Jones, winning. Uh, 48-year-old, 48-year-old Brendan Jones winning uh, out of Australia. And he thought he never possibly could, having been a great supporter of the event over the years, thought he'd never, ever win it. Uh, and uh, when he started the day and halfway through his round, he probably didn't either. But it just happened that way. Uh, right, Cliff uh, from Dunedin is uh, first up this morning. G'day, Cliff. How are you? Oh, morning, Smitty. Good, to, good to chat to you again. Uh, hope you had a good birthday week last week. That's all yeah. good. <laughs> um, Severe. Yeah, uh, interesting sort of thing. I mean, you get frustrated with with things, and you know, maybe he carried a bit of harker into it. Uh, you probably end up with a game out. You uh, probably, well, he doesn't deserve a game off, but they'll probably give him that. So the Highlanders, yeah, it's a bit of a worry. I, I looked at the Highlanders squad and I didn't think it was too bad, but I just think the other, the other teams in New Zealand are just so much better. You know, they've got class right through them and they've got depth on the bench. You know, whereas you know the Highlanders could get a reasonable good 15 start but top 15 but then they they just look a bit thin after that it's a shame um yeah but i really wanted to touch with all the, the golf this morning i just uh just caught a wee bit of it at home i'm just back out working uh 
Ryan Fox had a good solid minus five this morning, got himself into a, found a top 15 place. So that's good for him, uh, you know. It's a shame he can't get four rounds going as he, he'd be a real contender. So hopefully going forward in the players, masters, that he might be able to knock four good ones together and get on the podium or thereabouts. Um, it, it'll be interesting finish today. There's uh, Mitch, uh, The Japanese boy just dropped a couple of shots, so it's put everyone in a chance again. Uh, you know, it's going to be a big finish with Rory and Jordan Spieth. So, uh, yeah, golf's, golf's always a bit of fun this time of the year because everything starts building up. Yourself, you're probably just the same with that as well, are you, Smitty? I, I am, actually, Cliff. Um, I, I'm lucky I've got a, a, a screen here I can, uh, in the studio here. I can watch a little bit of uh, what's going on in the world. I tend to follow Monday mornings. I tend to follow the golf. And, yes, you're right, Kitayama uh, just had a triple bogey, a triple bogey. Um, so from uh, being two in front, he's now one behind. But you're right, Spieth's there, McElroy's there, Sheffler's not too far away. Uh, whole, uh, so it's not too bad. It's, it's going to be a, a great finish to the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And you're right, Ryan Fox, a 67 this morning. Um, I, I look, I'm looking forward to um, Ryan Fox in this little stretch. I think he's there for about four or five weeks. Um, and I think he's going to play some really good golf. And I wonder if that'll, with the finishes that he has, and this one uh, goes towards that, whether, um, Cliff, you think he might consider the PGA, the US PGA, as opposed to the DP World Tour at some stage? Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, maybe he'll finish this year. But I think if you want to play with the, the big boys and prove yourself that you're a, you're a contender, you've got to, you really need to be playing after the, well, this time of the year on the US Tour, even if he's just did a couple of events early in the season. But, yeah, I think he's a, He's certainly a PGA player on the on the American tour. He's he's good enough, and I think it'll it'll fine tune his game a little bit more. He doesn't have to be a bomber. He's just got to be tidy off the tee. If he's tidy off the tee, I think he's as good as anybody out there. He's a, he's got a, a really good touch feel game, and he putts good good too. So let's hope uh, know that he he, he can got four good rounds, and now I think he's a contender, and you know even the players. But yeah, definitely coming up with four or five games in America, he's, he's going to be in, the, in that top half a dozen at least. Yeah, well, Jordan Spieth just made a 25-footer to go one shot ahead of uh, Terrell Hatton with McElroy, uh, another couple further back, and Sheffer, another one back as well. So uh, might be Jordan, Smith, uh, Jordan Spieth's warning. Uh, morning. Uh, well, it, it really might be. So let's uh, hope so because he's a very popular golfer and, uh, you know, uh, it's been a little while. He's a great putter. Great putter. He is a great putter. He's yeah. got an exceptional yeah. short game. Cliffy, thanks so much for your call. Uh, nice to see you watching uh, so much sport over the weekend. There is that feel, you know, uh, about uh, the Highlanders. It's like it's like their last pick in the schoolyard. Um, and I don't know why that should be the case. You know, uh, you know, we've got five very good f- franchises in this country. And, of course, we've really now got six with Moana Pacifica. But you kind of get that feeling that, you know, when... A, you know when you picked up teams in the schoolyard, and uh, it was always that one kid um, who was uh, last pick, um, and you kind of you get that sense about the Highlanders that they would deny that till the cows come home, the proverbials come home. But you know, and and they've got some real heart and soul rugby players down there, but it just seems that way. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, Smithy. Interesting thing I picked up on the uh, interview just before with Jamie Wall is he brought up the idea that perhaps the only way you can save the Highlanders now is a, a reimagination of the way the talent is distributed through the country with the Super Rugby franchises, which to me then alludes to this idea that we know Justin Nelson is a big fan of, and that is introducing a draft to Super Rugby. Uh, I was working on the rugby run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall yesterday, and I think Marshy potentially might be in the similar ilk there. He was talking about the way they recruit, and he's talking about, you know, Queenstown rugby, dealing with his sons, and the way they identify talent there. And he kind of puts it down to a bit of a South Island Mafia. It's almost like it's a who you know. It's not about being the best player. So if your dad was a good all black or is a well-known name in those parts, perhaps you'll be looked more favoured upon than someone out of the blue, never heard of before, but should be shoulder-tapped as someone to be developed further. So maybe there's an issue there uh, in the Otago region, Smithy, with the Highlanders. Yeah, maybe there is. Maybe um, there's that feel that... uh, And, you know, I I sense it with the cricket team as well. I kind of sense it with the cricket team as well. I, I think... It's a pretty well-known fact that if you're a really, really good player out of the Crusaders or if you're a really, really good Canterbury cricket player, uh, you're probably going to get looked at a bit more closely uh, than you are if you're a really, really good Highlander and a really, really good Otago cricketer. Uh, Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me looking on from the outside, and it certainly shouldn't be that way, but I, I get that feeling. Yeah, on on the cricket side of things, Smithy, of course, big news over the weekend that uh, Gavin Larson uh, will be stepping down as the you know national selector with New Zealand cricket. Where are you on this? Is there someone that you think should be putting their hand up for that role? I think there's someone that should, um, who depends on what they're going to do with the head coaching role, whether they're going to see that as an opportunity um, after the uh, T, not T20, the 50 over World Cup in India, whether... They're going to see it as an opportunity um, to wipe the slate clean and go with a new head coach um, and go with a new selector. They have to obviously find a new selector. But I think what you have to do when you have a coach and a selector, if the coach is so attached to the team, you have to have a selector who can stand way, way back, way back and have a look and and look at it from a really, I don't know, um, an outside perspective, outside the square, because if you just get on the same wavelength, it's okay when your team's winning and things are operating well and most players are performing, but when they're not and your team uh, is winning, and and there was a very good article um, from, uh, I'm trying to think who it was over the weekend, but I I, I read it and it attracted my attention because it basically was thinking what I was thinking, and that is, uh, that victory should not be papering over the cracks. It was a wonderful test win. It was a terrific test win. Everyone acknowledges that. And there were some great performances handling pressure um, when it really mattered. But is that, in fact, uh, papering over the cracks? And straight away, they picked the same 13 players to go down to uh, Hagley Oval. They must know it's going to be um, a green seamer down there. Um, but uh, to be perfectly honest, you know, again, here we go and find ourselves in the situation without um, a number four or five who uh, at this stage warrant their place in the side. And uh, number seven or eight of the same thing, and I'm talking about here, Will Young, Henry Nichols, Michael Bracewell. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, the, how long can they can they, uh, continue to do that? 
Yep. So we've gone, all of a sudden we've gone from Artie Savia back to the Black Caps again here in a short space of time. But um, yeah, for me, it, is, it's a very, it was a very, very good uh, article. Yeah, and another name to add to that list is, of course, we always wonder what's happening with uh, Russian Ravindra. Why is he not being considered? And I think there was a lot of alarm bells when, you know, Gary Stead so quickly said, oh, we're just going to run with the same players for Sri Lanka. Uh, I know, great win. We can't take that away from the Black Caps. It was historic. It was amazing. We all felt those emotions on that day. But when you look a bit deeper, there's something more to worry about here. And it's like, what is going to happen beyond this? Okay, we might do all right against Sri Lanka, but then what happens after that? I mean, there just doesn't seem to be any kind of direction with New Zealand cricket. It's an ageing team, and it's one that clearly is really starting to be a concern to the fans out there. So what are New Zealand cricket doing about it? And it just doesn't seem to be the case where they want to have answers for that. No, they need to take stock in both the men's and women's game. They do. And, and every organisation has to do that. They should do it every year. Sit back and say, look, OK, let's not rest on our laurels if we're going well. And if we're struggling, we need to do something about it. Um, and, of course, um, that's exactly where we're at with the women's team. And we're exactly where we're at, I think, uh, getting to that point with the men's team. Have to accept the fact that people are retiring, people are getting older. Uh, and just think, well, okay, otherwise you get into the danger of thinking, well, this cycle's been good, but the next four or five are not going to be too good, so we'll just rest on this one. That's mm, a bit dangerous. 9.45 here on SENZ. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Smithy's multi Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports Download the TAB app today Well, how did we go on Friday? Warriors to beat the Knights Yes, that's a winner Waratahs to beat the Drua Yes, that's a winner The Phoenix to beat Newcastle Yes, that's a winner $4.23 multi up uh, for the weekend. So if you go into that, uh, well done. Uh, so today, what are we looking at? Uh, the Houston Rockets to beat the San Antonio Spurs at $1.70. Uh, England uh, play a white ball game of cricket against uh, Bangladesh, an entirely different squad, of course. Uh, England are $1.39 there. And in tennis, women's tennis, we're going to go to the WTA in Monterrey. And Caroline Garcia to beat uh, Donna Vekic. At a dollar forty-one, so a quiet little start to the week. A mere three dollars thirty-three, but a tenner on that, you'd be uh, pretty happy, wouldn't you? So that's it today. The Rockets into England into Garcia at three dollars thirty-three. Just keeping an eye on the Arnold Palmer Invitational, um, and Spieth has dropped a shot, so he's nine under. Hatton is nine under. McElroy, McElroy is eight under. Kitayama eight under, and uh, Sheffler six under. They're probably the five, you would think, who have a chance of winning it. And yes, Ryan Fox, uh, a very creditable finish. I uh, can't exactly say where, but at the moment, about tie for 14th, uh, other players might come past them or go back behind them. So it might even turn out a wee bit better, but it's a 20 million US tournament, 9.52. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, another text have come in, and thank you for those on uh, 
post a text machine, which is of course uh, double eight double three. Hey Smithy, the action Artie did used to, to end the Harker, and no one bats an eyelid. Who knows what the halfback said to him, but it was obviously something pretty strong, similar to that of uh, Joe Marler. The incident in the UK referencing uh, another player's mother. Why aren't we uh, asking questions of the halfback? Of course, the halfback in question is uh, Ryan Lawrence, um, who seemed to get under Artie's skin and uh, just kept going. Uh, and we know this uh, at the end of the result, Artie Savia has an appointment with the judiciary coming up um, in the next uh, day or so. And uh, we'll find out whether he gets to play in the next game or has to sit and watch. Uh, apparently, uh, we're talking about Cortez Ratama and how. Uh, much depth. I've got a halfback within the Chiefs, um, alongside Brad Weber, of course. Uh, Cortez Ratama is a tough cookie and very strong. Bench press is 165 kilos, which is the Chiefs, apparently. That's uh, in from Toby. So that's a, a pretty powerful halfback, isn't it, uh, to be perfectly honest? Also got a text in uh, about uh, Ryan Fox, superb uh, top 20 finish. This is from Mike. Um, and a major quality field on a really tough course at the Bay, o- Bay Hill this morning. Yeah, it is a tough golf course. There's a lot of water in the joint. Um, and it's looking like if he stays where he is in the top 12, 13 players, could uh, rake in as much as a quarter of a million dollars US, which is uh, a nice little way to start that uh, little swing that he's got there in the US with some really high-profile events. Of course, the Players' Championship, which is the fifth major, and then the all-important major that they all want to win the Masters and the Green Jacket wouldn't that be nice sitting in it's uh, coming up to 10 o'clock here on SENZ basketball after the break what happened to them breakers overnight squandering an opportunity to go up 2-0 in this 5 match series now they have to get tough and do it all again in Sydney Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the Sydney Kings have levelled the A and B L Championship Series against New Zealand Breakers with a determined 81-74 win at a packed-out Spark Arena last night. The best of five series now heads back to Sydney for Game 3 on Friday. If the Breakers can win that one, they could potentially lift the trophy at home in Game 4. But they don't. Uh, but let's uh, not get too ahead of ourselves just yet. But when it came to cold shooting, saw um, Modi Mayor's side come back down to earth and uh, look for ways to bounce back. Joining us now on uh, SENZ is a man who was there as part of Sky Sports coverage, former Tall Black, now sideline commentator. Good morning again uh, to Brooke Rusco. Uh, Brooke, thanks for your time. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me once again. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we need you because uh, you were there um, and uh, Tob Abercrombie, <laughs> probably the most probably the most experienced uh, of them, particularly in, um, in the Breakers uniform, is Tob Abercrombie, and he's saying they played stressed. Um, why would they play stressed? It, it was the crowd too much for them. The atmosphere. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question too. And, and he is the most probably decorated Breakers player of all time as well. And it, it kind of just feels like that. I'm I'm not sure why they they went over to Sydney. And I would have thought you were more stressed over in Sydney, and they got the win over there. But yeah, something just didn't click last night. And yeah, I'm trying to be positive about the whole thing. I think oh, this is exciting. You know, we've got ourselves a series. It's one all. Go back to Sydney and. 
you know, now you can really show if you're about it and, and you're taking on the reigning champs back in their hometown. They got a bit more momentum. But, yeah, it just, it just didn't click last night. They didn't shoot very well from deep. Well, actually, just to be frank about it, they shot terribly. They turned the ball over. And if you're going to do that, it's going to be tough, especially against the reigning champs in the Sydney Kings. So uh, you have to tip your hat to them. They, they got the job done. They were aggressive from the jump. And, uh, man, they, they did a great job of, drowning the soul out of that crowd last night and there was a couple periods where the crowd really wanted to get into it and the breakers gave them a chance but they just didn't string those positions together and give the crowd a, a huge chance to stay in the game and every time they got a step up Sydney kind of had the counter punch so yeah it was a weird one it was an interesting one and, and they did look stressed and I didn't expect that but um, hey it's basketball playoffs basketball it's final time and these things happen and the chess match continues Brooke, I, I understand when one player gets cold or can have a cold uh, patch uh, in a match, but I, I don't quite get why across the board... I mean, in game one, every Breakers player who, who got game time found their way under the score sheet. I mean, across the board, though, <laughs> yeah. last night, on, on on their home court. This has happened a couple of times with the Breakers this year. This isn't the first time. So they've had three or four games where it just hasn't worked. They haven't shot the ball well from deep, and Coach Modi at one point, as I was following the timeout, he even said to the boys, we're playing hero ball here. We've, we've got to this point of the season by playing as a team, and now all of a sudden we want to be David Sawyer and go for that big KO punch. Or, you know, John Jones at the moment with the heavyweight, the heavyweight KO. And it's just, it wasn't working last night. They needed to go back to playing as a team. And I also thought they kind of played tentative. They kind of played like they were playing on the back foot. And if you're playing basketball, you have to be the aggressors. And they have been the aggressors all year. But they were just passing the ball, careless turnovers. No one was attacking the paint. The floaters that they were doing so well in game one, not that they weren't taking them, they just weren't even getting in the position to be around the paint, to get deep into the paint, to draw their attention and then find the shooters. So they were shooting shots that weren't off dribble penetration. It was kind of just swing, swing, someone shoot it. There was no rhythm to it. And I think there was a point where they were like 2 of 12, and then it got to 4 of 27 from deep. And... I think they tidied it up a little bit at the very end, but that's kind of when the shackles were off and it looked like they were playing carefree basketball. But at that point, it was just a little bit too little, too late. And Yeah, you're right. No one got going, but to me, and, and it sounded like to Modi as well, it was because it was off the back of hero ball and not stemming from team basketball first. So who, who knows what happens when they get to Sydney? They've been road dogs all year, and, and they sort of galvanized together on the road. So... Maybe that's what they need, just to go back to Sydney and, and get the win over there. And it's been a real interesting series, not just this one, but during the season, no teams won a home game. So if, if that's the record that they want to keep, then it's promising signs for the Breakers over in Sydney. It is, but I mean, they'll probably lose 3-2, so they've got to win one at home at some point. Uh, Brock, uh, unfortunately, they have to break that trend at some point. Okay, um, tell us uh, more about the the Kings' performance. Was it? Uh, we've highlighted the the poor performance, the cold shooting, etc. Uh, the fact that um, Justin Simon himself got six steals last night, oh. hero ball as you called it. Um, but uh, what about the Kings? What did you see about the Kings? Yeah, the the Kings really showed up last night, and and Justin Simon particularly, he he really set the tone for them in the second half defensively. He was amazing, uh, but just as a squad, because they lost their, their two marquee players. They lost their two all-NBL first-team players, and Xavier Cooks, who's the MVP of the league, and Derek Wilson Jr., their point guard, and they lost them you know, halfway through the, the second quarter, and then Xavier pulled out at halftime as well, and, and they were up four at halftime, and then they blew the game out in the second half without those boys out there. And it just showed that championship resolve. It would be like losing 
Dan Carter and Richie McCaw in the game, and then the Crusaders got up and won it somehow. And, you know, you expect them to do that, and the Sydney Kings are at that, that point right now where we almost expect them to do that as well. Sean Bruce was awesome off the bench. He played the whole second half. Kawat uh, Noy came on, and he was aggressive, and he kind of looked like the X Factor that they needed. And, and maybe the X Factor that the Breakers were looking for was someone to come on and mm-hmm. just keep the, the scoreboard ticking over. But they did it as a team. They galvanized together. They were strong. They were relentless. There was no fear in their eyes. And once those two marquee players, because they are marquee players, went out, it's like they went to another level. And I talked to Justin Simon after the game, and he just said it's the next man up mentality. And, and that's really what it looked like. And uh, he got challenged at halftime. He got challenged before the game, and, and he showed up, and he took it personally. And he put Sydney on his back, and, and they got a huge, huge, huge win. And now I, I've heard game three, and Sydney's already sold out. 20,000 people are going to be at what they call the queue. So... Uh, for basketball, it's great. It's it's amazing to get the breakers back at this time of the year, but we also want the breakers playing like we're used to with the Dylan Bouchers and the Mickers and the CJs and the Cedric Jackson. And they proved that they can do that in game one. So uh, we, we, we hope and we hope that they, they can prove it in game three as well. Of course, the next game's on Friday, uh, Brooke, and um, that yep. gives, I guess, uh, Cooks and Walton Jr., a little opportunity. I, I'm not quite sure the extent of your injuries, uh, of their injuries. Have you heard anything? Yeah, we, we were trying to work that one out too. Liam Santamaria, who is a NBL uh, analyst from Australia, he came over last night. He kind of covered the Sydney bench, and I was looking after the breakers bench last night and talked to him after the game, and he just sounded like he was banged up. Xavier, he got hit by Rob Lowe in the knee. It was just a bit of a cork in game one, and then kind of re-aggravated that last night, and they, they just thought um, for the series, it's better to, to pull him aside and I don't know if they thought that they'd go out and get a win and get a, a dominant win without him out there, but they, they rolled the dice and it worked, and congratulations to them. But it just sounds like it's a bit of a cork at the moment with, with Xavier Cook. So as long as he can have off their, their plays into the hands of the Sydney Kings. And Derek Wilson Jr., we're trying to work that one out as well. It looked like he cramped up really, really bad in game one. and It looked like something very similar in game two. So the longer that they have off, the better. And I think it's even... Uh, it's almost twofold because the Breakers would want to be out there so badly. Talking to Barry Brown Jr. after the game, he's like, man, I just, I, I need to get back on the court. We need to play again because we've got this built-up, I guess, frustration sitting us right now that we want to get back out on the floor. So for the Kings, it's a, it's a win-win. I think you get back to Sydney, you look after your boys, you recover some of your Warriors that are down and out and some of the troops that put in big minutes last night that don't normally play the minutes that they played last night and they get time to... You know, recover and sit in the ice bath and go and get some physios and some massages and go to your favorite food spots and you just fully recover. And also, for the breakers, it just kind of softens that blow a little bit and they're potentially not running off that same aggression. So I think it's a win-win for Sydney and they get back. And game three is going to be very interesting. I can't wait. Well, you're commentating uh, along with uh, ESPN uh, and, uh, of course, you're working for Sky Sports. So uh, you mentioned uh, Liam before, Liam Santa Maria. That's... Uh, Quite an interesting concept um, with, um, what, is it four commentators sharing the, sharing the roles? Yeah, and, and four extroverts who love to talk as well. Andrew Mulligan's in there, and we know that he's the voice of basketball in New Zealand, so we always got to kind of find our spot. But uh, Casey and, and Andrew do an amazing job, and um, Liam was amazing yesterday. It was the first time that we've had him on the broadcast, and uh, we spoke after, and just having his expertise and, you know, a different angle on it and how they have been viewing things in Australia and, and some of his calls. It was it was awesome to have him there last night. And the build-up was, was Liam and Casey and myself, and then Casey and Andrew took over, and then me and Liam kind of just chimed in during the game. And, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was like a breath of fresh air having him in there last night. It was 
at the, at the best time of the year to have an expert like that come in and join the, the crew was it was awesome. Right, let's look uh, if we can just touch on the, the sales NBL season. It's uh, just a month away, uh, so uh, not stop. much coming out of the, the yeah, not much coming out of the Canterbury Rams. Very quiet on that front. <laughs> Very quiet for a team that is normally pretty pretty dominant in the off season as well. Um, I would expect something to come from the Canterbury Rams in, in the next week, if that, in the next three or four days. But, you know, seeing the Saints signing guys like Kyle Adnam and the, the Auckland Tuatara, some huge signings and Cam Glidden and Ruben Tarangi, the Tall Blacks captain, is coming back for the first time in a long time. Rob Lowe is back there. They've got some young Kiwi boys coming back from uh, from America as well. Cruz is going to be a part of the team. So the, the Tuataras are looking good. Saints are always going to look good. Southland have uh, a great signing to me. His name's Jeremy Kendall. He's he's a Swedish American, but he lives in Australia at the moment, and he's just a he's a professional. He, he's the ultimate professional. He's a point guard, and he's going to do wonders for that Sharks team down there. I heard that Alex Pledger could potentially be coming back. I think that's official that Alex Pledger's playing in the NBL this year as well. So uh, don't quote me on that, but I, I'm, I'm 99% sure that, that he's back, and that's awesome for basketball. So um, the story that he's had... The, He's been through cancer, and he's a tall black and a breaker, and he's done everything, and he's achieved all these amazing things in the game of basketball, and, and for him to come back, it's, um, it's a pretty cool story from a pretty cool guy. So, yeah, there's going to be storylines across the South NBL, but it's just basketball in New Zealand isn't stopping at the moment, and it's awesome. Just hold the line here, Brock Rusko. Just hold the line because uh, Logan Swinkles, as he does, has his uh, finger on the pulse, and he's come up with a little bit of breaking news you might be interested in. Yeah, as okay, we, like, we yeah. hey Brock, uh, as we like to say in the industry, there's been a woge bomb on Twitter from Adrian uh, Wojnarowski <laughs> on ESPN. We talk about Xavier Cooks. Well, he's not going to be going to the Sal's NBL and going back to the Wellington Saints because the Washington Wizards will be signing the MVP of the league to a deal through the 23-24 season. Wow, wow. I'm not surprised. I don't want to be that guy and say I'm not surprised that I caught it, but he absolutely, he deserves this. And I think maybe it was last time we were talking about this. I said he's not going to be on the side of the world for very long, and and rightfully so, he's off to the NBA. He's a freak of nature. His body is, is made for the NBA. There's a couple of things that he needs to work on, but what he does, he does very, very well, and he's got to be a very rich man. <laughs> Isn't that, though, just uh, another indication of, um, with the arrangement with the ESPN, etc., how closely this league is yeah. now being regarded overseas? Oh, to me, I, I think people view this as a top five league in the world, and you have the likes of Lamello Ball come here, RJ Hampton. The Breakers are doing it very well with the NBA Next Star generation. They're doing it very, very well. Um, but, yeah, it's just proving how dominant this league is. And, and Tory Craig was a part of this league, and now he plays huge minutes with the Phoenix Suns alongside Jock Lonsdale, who, who's there as well. And now their teammates were Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker making millions of bucks. So uh, this league is going from strength to strength. Uh, there was the Warriors and the Raptors, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. They were at the game last night scouting. Uh, last night we've had... The Boston Celtics, we've had the New Orleans Pelicans, we had the Utah Jazz, you name it, pretty much every team has been to New Zealand this year and to Australia just to watch these guys and see who's coming up next. So every year it seems like one, two, maybe even three guys make it back into the NBA or make it over to the NBA for the first time. And this league's around from strength to strength and it's only going to get better because things like this are happening. So 
it's exciting for the NBL, it's exciting for basketball on this side of the world, and hopefully there's more Kiwis jumping on board too, and, and it's not just Steve over there in the near future, and I've seen the, the guys that are coming through, and um, it's exciting for New Zealand basketball. Brock, we now know that it's going to be a Game 4 back in Auckland. Mathematically, there has to be. What about a Game 5? Do yep. you see this going the whole distance? I don't. I, I see this going to 4. I, I caught it yesterday. I thought before the game, I thought the Breakers might drop this one. I didn't think they'd drop it like that, but I thought Sydney would come back and get it. But I have the Breakers winning the next two. And I might look like a bit of a fool saying that right now, but I said that before Game 2. I've got the Breakers winning the next two. I think they go over there in Sydney and they get the job done. Think about those boys being on the road. They've just managed to get it done all year. So it's going to be a surprise. They've proven that they can win in Sydney. They've won two games in Sydney on the year and one again over there the other day. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Breakers come back here and win it in four and it, just, it would feel right. Uh, they, they've sacrificed so much over these last two years with COVID and having had a chance to see the family and they've got a new coach and they've basically got a new team. and They were dead last, last year. They had five wins last year. And now they're two wins away from winning the NBL championship. So I wouldn't be surprised if next Sunday Tom Abercrombie is is holding up the trophy and that's the last time that we see Tom play for the Breakers. Uh, I just I think it's a fitting fairy tale story. It's going to work out. Spark Arena, I know he's off contract at the end of the year. Uh, I think they win the next two and that might be Tommy's, Tommy's last game for the Breakers. Interesting. Hey, Brock, great catching up with you. Uh, love your uh, enthusiasm, but love your insight as well. Uh, so we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, Friday night, Game 3, back in Sydney. Um, and uh, don't be surprised if we tap your brain again at some stage before this series is over. Thanks for your time. Enjoyed it. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate it. Cheers, uh, Brooke Rusco there uh, with us and, uh, of course, doing such a fine job for Sky Sport, uh, running his, uh, running his uh, finger over what he believed. He thought that the... That's interesting. He thought that the Breakers might lose that game yesterday. He was spot on, but he predicts that they could win in four. Great stuff. It is uh, 10.18 here on SCNZ. We'll have a panel next. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan and Ben Strang with us this morning and uh, first up, uh, James Regan. Uh, on the back of his gesture and then his apology, uh, what do you think is ahead for Adi Savia? Does he get a suspension for this uh, throat slitting gesture or should the judiciary just move on, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, morning, Smitty, morning, Ben. Um, if it was me, just move on. I mean, I'm sure Adi is, is very sorry and, and we saw he apologised after the game. We know he, he's a you know, he's a good guy. He would never do anything to purposely um, upset anyone or that kind of thing. It, it just happened in the heat of the moment. And it seems like one of those things where we constantly ask for excitement and passion and characters from, from rugby players. And then when they do something, and, and this is not great looks, don't get me wrong, but when they do something and it adds a bit of excitement to the game, then we kind of jump on and, and berate them. Like, if he'd have come out and not apologised or not mentioned it at all, absolutely. But he's clearly sorry, clearly wouldn't do it again. And so just leave it at that. I mean, what what else do we want from these players? No one's perfect, um, you know. And and so, yeah, if it was me tonight, the judiciary, just say, mate, that's not a great look, don't do it again. But 
play on. The interesting thing for me in this, Ben, is that they, they could have done that anyway, um, but do they are they just flexing their muscles here, saying we are the ultimate in control here, or are they genuinely going to punish him? I mean, you know... Uh, uh, it's, it's an interest. It's an interesting one for me. I, I know they've got to draw on the line of the sand. They don't want this to become the norm. So where do you sit with it, Ben? Yeah, I think they have to do something. Uh, I, I think a ban. You know, you mentioned Artie's uh, previous record, which is he's been pretty exemplary. Uh, he, you know, you, you can't really say much wrong about the guy, and that's why I think that. You know, yes, uh, uh, say a one-match suspension might be a little bit harsh, but maybe they do need to do something like a suspended sentence or something like that just to say, look, you've been very good on the field in the past. You've set good examples. If you do it again, you'll get, you know, say a three-match ban. I don't know. But but based on the fact that you've never done this before, this seems to have been a one-off, we're going to give you that suspended sentence. But they have to be seen to be doing something because, you know, you can't have rugby players essentially you know threatening to kill other people on the on the rugby field and i know it would you know nothing ever comes to that but i think about the nba for example where we talk about you know the the excitement that these clashes bring and uh and that is what you want to see it's it's fantastic to watch but if somebody in the nba made that gesture they'd be facing a a lengthy ban so uh, yeah something has to be done but given his previous record i think they can just give him a suspended sentence something like that it's a very interesting point, actually, how would other uh, bodies uh, absolutely deal with it? Uh, it's uh, something I, uh, and, and you say, uh, NBA, uh, a sport with such high profile there, um, they would not handle that at all well. Okay, let's move on to the uh, actual playing side of things uh, over the weekend. Um, what, did you, what did you make of it overall, James, in terms of uh, Super Rugby? Because... Um, there was uh, an upset, I suppose you'd call it an upset, because uh, the Blues, 16 out of 17, and then they fall to the Brumbies in essentially a, a neutral venue. So probably that, that was the, I guess, the talking point of the weekend. Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. And, and hopefully for the Blues' sake, it's kind of the wake-up call they needed and they can get it out the way early in the season. They at times looked a bit disjointed, and I know it was a stinking hot day by the sounds of it in Melbourne. But they just couldn't really get their get their game going. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern. Like consistency for the Blues over the past couple of years has been something they've really been able to be proud of. Um, and so hopefully for their sake they can kind of draw a line in the sand and let, let's not take anything away from the Brumbies. Even they're, they're a very good side who will, you know, as they were last year, be well in the mix with the finals. I think overall it looked like a good weekend. I was a bit surprised to see I mean, I, I know why they've done it, but to see Super Round so early in the piece this year, they obviously don't want to get mixed up uh, or lost in, in other codes, especially out of Melbourne, but that's kind of a showpiece event you want from Super Rugby, and I don't know if it quite had the desired effect. I'd love to see it moved around in the next couple of years, either coming over to here to Auckland, where I think it would be a massive success, or take it somewhere else, um, because... Yeah, Super Rugby, the first couple of weeks, the product has been amazing. It's really fast. It's a lot better. Um, and so I guess getting that that added fan engagement is probably the next step for, for Super Rugby. And I'm not sure the Super Round has a desired effect. Uh, and, and other people would know better than I did. But the Rugby was great. I think it would be uh, great to see a few more people engaged. 
Do you fear, uh, Ben Strang, do you fear for the Highlanders? Is it too early to confine them to, um, you know, the foot of the table for the season long? Uh, are you seeing any signs there that um, just a poor start, plenty to come? It, it, I mean, yes, it's a poor start and there, there will be more to come. But, yeah, I do fear that they're going to be rooted to the bottom of the table. And uh, I, I just feel like, you know, we talk a lot about the, the sort of decline in the All Blacks over the last few years and the quality of domestic rugby perhaps not being as high as it once was. And I think that probably follows through in the fact that maybe there's enough talent in New Zealand to have four really good super rugby teams and, and players want to gravitate to those and then the Highlanders are kind of left behind. Uh, and, and that's a, a little bit of a worry. Um, I'm not saying that you want to only have four super rugby teams in New Zealand or, or anything like that because it, it's good to have the opportunities there for players, but perhaps the um, the quality of player isn't quite there. Um, and, and I was, you know, just in terms of that round, I mean, I, I find it bizarre that they just hold it in Melbourne, a, a city that doesn't really care about rugby in the first place. But um, I, I did get to watch that Brumbies Blues match last night and I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think the, 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 the product is much improved with some of the rule changes, the the speed of the game, and just the way that the Brumbies played. Brumbies sort of led by a, a Kiwi that I know fairly well, Chris Tyndall. He's the, the GM of pro rugby over there, I think, and does a bit of recruiting of Kiwi youth and, and gets them over there. And, and I think um, they'll certainly be a team to watch. He's, he's been over there a few years now. Did, did wonders with the Chiefs back in the day with Dave Rennie and uh, maybe making the Brumbies some, something of a force. James Regan and Ben Strang are with us uh, this morning. They are our panellists. Uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly. We'll take a quick news break and then we'll... Uh, shall we talk about the Warriors? Why not? 1-0. and oh. We'll do that after the break. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, it is uh, just after 10.33... Uh, we're in the panel, midst of a panel with uh, James Regan and Ben String. A really interesting finish coming up to this Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, two players at eight under, six players at seven under, going down the stretch, as they call it. Right, let's get to uh, the Warriors. And uh, let's start with you, James Regan. Uh, well, they were picked to win, and they did it. Um, and they were um, also backed up by a 42-21 to 21 in the reserve grade as well. So a nice little start to the NRL. Yeah. Uh, the club will be very happy and, and they'll be happy with the turnout just quickly that they got in Wellington as well, about 16,000, well over 16,000 turning out in the capital. Um, a, a great way to start the season. Uh, Andrew Webster would have been relieved as well to get his first win as Warriors coach done. So now that, that pressure's off, especially with two tough weeks in Australia uh, taking on the Roosters this weekend. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is like... They don't win that game last year, right? They, they probably fold under the pressure um, and, and the Knights probably run over them if this was last year. But Andrew Webster, all pre-season, has, has kind of touched on resilience and the need to be a lot stronger uh, and, and maybe a bit braver even defensively. And they certainly did that. Like, they were asked to defend their line a lot. They dealt with the likes of Caelan Ponger really well. Um, and it's something to build on. It wasn't polished, it wasn't perfect, but the, the players you wanted to step up as well, Tohu Harris made 51 tackles in that game, which is just remarkable, uh, and he's going to be massive for them this year. So a lot to like. I'm not sure if we can get too carried away, especially with that game against the Roosters, but, uh, yeah, a lot to like from that first week. 
crazy results when you look at it over the weekend. Uh, just fascinating, the Broncos beating the Panthers. Uh, and then, what uh, for me, Ben Strang, could be one of the great, co- great coaching uh, achievements in the history of uh, rugby league. Uh, Wayne Bennett does it 28-18 for the newly formed Dolphins over the Roosters, probably the favourite this year. Talk us through that. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? I just, um, you know, he just sort of adds to his coaching legacy with with remarkable results uh, to, to, you know, that I, I don't know what the odds were on the Dolphins finishing wooden spoon, but they'd be pretty close to it, wouldn't they? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, and to, to turn that around and, and get an opening. I mean, it is early in the season, so so we'll we'll see if if that continues as the season goes on. It's always hard to tell in the first round whether one team's particularly rusty and and the other is particularly good. But what we know about the NRL is even if you don't have a bunch of stars, if you can, uh, you know, put a, put a you know have a coach that puts together really good game plans. And I think the crucial thing is uh, how how your team defends. If you can defend well and restrict your opposition, then you can have a very successful season without necessarily having massive star names. And perhaps that's something the Dolphins can do. And and that is actually that's the thing that I think the Warriors did really well is is their defense seemed to be absolutely on point. And if we have a, a Warriors team that defends stoutly all season and seems to to want to stop the opposition, then uh, then they can have a very successful season, I would think. Yeah, interesting. I, I couldn't. Um, I, I found it hard to. Um, if you said to me, I, you didn't watch any league over the weekend, reading out some of those results, um, James Regan, I would have thought, you're kidding me. You, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that, which is, you know, if, you, if you're just a fan of rugby league, it's great. I mean, the Broncos, you never really know what you're going to get with them, but for them to go out and do what they did to the Panthers and really grind out a win, and like, it's kind of the same. Like The Panthers would have gone on to win that last year, but I think they're They'll be a little fatigued. Um, we saw them lose that game against St. Helens, and we thought they'd bounce back. But for the competition as a whole, the opening weekend it was great. The action was amazing. We saw some players really emerge and, and have great games, and it's going to be a fascinating season. I think it's going to be much more open than we've seen in the past couple of years. And you're right, those results, particularly the Dolphins, I'll, I'll hold my hand up. I thought they'd get put to the sword against the Roosters last night, and they were just, yeah, unreal tremendous spirit um, and rugby league is off to a, to an absolute flyer this year, it's great It has actually um, as opposed to um, to James, uh, the breakers um, I was pretty disappointed with that last night I thought the hard part had been done um, and then they come home and it's just a, a wild sort of a trend that you just can't win at home it seems in these com- uh, these playoff situations and, and in fact against the, the Sydney Kings I don't think either side has won one in the regular season at home either. Yeah, and that'll that'll probably be the most frustrating thing for the breakers is they went over to Sydney in game one and did an absolute job on them. And then they, you know, they basically made it harder for themselves because now they've got to go back over to Sydney again and, and try and get a result, which is, is really tough. They've obviously done it and they can do it, but they would have wanted to really make a bit of a statement in game two and, and go 2-0 up, obviously, and at home and then give themselves a little bit of breathing room going back across the Tasman. So they'll be really frustrated. I'm sure Modi Ma'or will have um, read the riot act to them a little bit, um, and they'll, they'll bounce back. But they've, yeah, they've made it really hard for themselves going into the rest of the series. 
Uh, it's uh, an odd one for me, uh, Ben, to be honest. Um, I would have thought uh, the great incentive to, to come home is uh, that home crowd. And uh, even with all their experience, uh, they didn't react well to it. Neither has. No, I mean, Sydney did seem to make a lot of changes to, to how they defended the breakers. I mean, the, the shooting percentage was terrible um, last night compared to the, the first match in Sydney. So clearly they made a lot of adjustments and the breakers didn't adjust to that. They didn't um, react well enough. So I'm sure maybe Modi Mayo will, will have a bunch of changes ready for when they go back to Sydney. Uh, he's he's clearly proven himself as, as you know, top coach in the league, essentially, and... I imagine he'll have a few more tricks up the breakers' sleeve for for the next game, but you know it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting tussle, seeing how the coaches can adjust things as the as the series wears on. It is indeed. Um, other things uh, over the weekend of uh, interest uh, to um, the uh, the EPL. Uh, some interesting results there over the weekend, James. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Very. Uh... Well, very pleasing results, especially this morning. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout-out to my colleagues, Alex Chapman and Andrew Cordy, Manchester United fans, if you are listening. Uh, very good morning to you. Um, yeah, wow, what can you really say? 7-0. That's a, a thrashing of massive proportions. And any Liverpool fans out there, enjoy it. Enjoy it today. I certainly will be. Um, and there's not really much more I can say other than what a game and what a time to be alive. Well, I've got to give you an opportunity, Ben Strang, as well, to reflect on this. Are, are you enjoying life at the moment, right now? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you, uh, Ian. Uh, has um, has Ricardo Ball called in sick today? It would be my first question. Uh, I, I, I imagine he's feeling a little under the weather this morning, which is fantastic. Um, it's been a not good, very bad season for Liverpool, but when a result like this happens, it brings a very wide smile to my face and I'm hoping that um, Logan in the back room there is loaded up you'll never walk alone to go out on because that's oh there it is what a what a fantastic day it was so I, I'm a very happy man this morning Ian. just for you just for you Liverpool fans for you James Regan who obviously is enjoying it for Ben Strang digest this digest this my friends digest this 7-0 just sit back and enjoy it there's a golden sky And the sweet silver sound of love Walk on through the wind Walk on through the rain
service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis waiting for us to uh, have a look back at uh, the weekend that was and a hell of a weekend of racing it uh, uh, turned out to be. Uh, Louis, first of all, we raved about uh, Sharp and Smart uh, right from the time we did the barrier last uh, Wednesday. And I've got to say, it uh, didn't disappoint. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. It had to be. He just delivered, didn't he, Smithy? And, and that, you know, it's it's quite rare in sport or racing where you just want something to happen and it just happens. And he and he had to use all of his might. And it's never easy for Sharp and Smart. He somehow ended up cluttered up, and Ryan Elliott just took off at the 600 and said, "Stuff this. I'm not getting bogged in or." or boxed in, or I don't want anything to stop in front of me. I'm just going to take the best horse to the front to make it a staying contest. And, well, Andalus came at him late, didn't he? I reckon when smart, Sharp and Smart saw him, I reckon he lifted again, and this is the beauty of this horse. He's just going to keep fighting every single time he's challenged. And that is the, uh, that's the sort of thing about these horses that go on to win big, big races, like I'm talking high-pressure races like Cox Plates, Melbourne Cups, um, Queen Elizabeth. Where they get put, the pressure gets put on, they lift. Think about very elegant. How many times she was headed in her career, then kicked back. Well, that's the sort of um, tendency that tendency that Sharp and Smart has, and it's pretty special. Then mate Legato in the Australian Guineas. How special was that for Ken and Bev Kelso? Mm, that was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I was going to bring up Australian racing too, but Legato was an absolute star. But I'll tell you also, um, Imperatrice didn't quite get the job done. Impressive though. Well, she's been beaten by a horse that's run third in, in a July Cup, right? You know, Artorias is going to be a standard stud, and he's going to stand at stud for a lot of money. And he is absolutely flowing. It took a genius Zach Purden ride, and she's been beaten a lip. So no, nobody in their right mind would pop Imperatrice for that. And whatever she's targeted at now with a bit more time and planning for Tiaka, she'll be winning. I, I think she will have an Australian Group 1 this year before she's said and done this season and I look forward to backing her next start. We're probably just going to get a slightly better price. Okay, Louis Herman Watt with a quick review of the weekend's racing. Let's get straight across to uh, the TAB. Paul Mawadi, you must be uh, just sitting on the end of your seat, you guys here at the moment because this Arnold Palmer Invitational is turning out to be some finish. That's exactly, Smithy. Um, straight off the back of the New Zealand Open and we're into the Arnold Palmer Invitational and there are any number of players within uh, one or two shots of the lead. Of course, we've got Kiriyama up there, uh, Tyrell Hatton, Victor Hovland. You can bet live right now. Rory McIlroy's hanging around. Scotty Scheffler. So uh, the bookies, uh, the book is all over the place. To be fair, extremely volatile. So if you are a golf punter, have a little go live. There's still a few holes to go, and who knows? We may even see a bit of a, uh, maybe have a playoff at the end. Of course, the uh, NRL, first uh, week under our belts, and we've already got the odds out for the uh, round two. No respect for the Warriors. They're 12.5-point underdogs against the Chooks, who are wounded after that loss to the uh, Dolphins on the weekend. And the Dolphins, $2.90. Outsiders against the Canberra Raiders, they're 7.5-point underdogs. Surely you jump on Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins once again. They looked very, very good, especially defensively. 
Uh, don't forget, just head to the tab.co.nz uh, and check out all the promotions that we've got coming up this week. Good on you. Paul Mawadi there from the TAB. Yes, uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, McElroy, 8-under. Scheffler, 8-under. Hatton, 8-under. English, 8-under. Katiyama, 8-under. In the clubhouse, uh, Spieth and Cantlay, both at 7-under. Hovland at 7-under has just hit his ball on the drink on the 16th. So uh, Katiyama has an eagle putt to uh, get to, uh, a two-shot lead. Uh, you suspect he'll two-putt at the very, very outside, and he'll have a one-shot lead with two holes to go. Katiyama. Um, and a fine fine golfer he is. Just looking at Scheffler hitting it into 17. And um, well, he's giving himself about a 30-foot putt uh, for birdie there. Uh, Fossey after the break, of course. NRL is back. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Said it at the end there. Ukaipo there from uh, Luke Fonga. A fantastic uh, song for the Warriors. We play a bit of that uh, every time they win. Let's hope we play it uh, on a very regular basis. Uh, Vossi is there. Andrew Voss, of course, uh, because the NRL is back. And boy, it's plenty to talk about this morning. How about those Dolphins? They started their life as a 17th club on an amazing high, knocking over the Roosters 
And the Warriors have shown they can play defence. They can win those arm wrestles that they were talking about. So Andrew Voss, who was very busy himself, had three calls over the weekend, including the very first one uh, to set the competition uh, underway. And that was the Storm beating the Eels in Golden Point. And uh, Vossi, that set the tone for an amazing weekend. Hey, Smithy. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. Yeah, it, we're just, I think we're all basking in the glory of an amazing first round, really. I mean, I know... Well, I covered the game a long time, and, and, and maybe there has been a better first round, but I can't remember it off the top of my head, Smithy. Um, just for a highlights package you could do. What about the hits from the weekend? When, if, if anyone wants to doubt the toughness of the game, what about Felice Kafusi yesterday? Uh, Joseph Swali'i, his defence. Some of the hits that we saw over the weekend, um, and you go back to the first night, you know, first night, how dramatic Cameron Munster, the compound dislocation of the finger, looks down, bone sticking out, comes back on, golden point to start the year. Not the, not the greatest match of all time, but a you know incredibly classic, intense finish to start a season with golden points, sort of set the benchmark for what I you know, seriously, Smithy, a fabulous weekend of. Um, sporting theatre and it's a credit to the players to be so in tune in most cases you know straight off the get-go to start the season um, with such you know superb rugby league played yeah it certainly was okay so that was the uh the storm getting up over the years what did you make of the warriors Oh, really solid. Yeah, really solid. And, um, you know, Andrew Webster sort of summed it up after the game, talking about, you know, <laughs> looking for the DNA. And, and and I think a very popular word now in rugby league, and before I've called it the C word, you, you're searching for consistency. Well, you're still searching for consistency, but to, con- to get consistency in rugby league, you have to have the R word, Smithy. And Andrew Webster mm. mentioned it, resilience. You need to have resilience because in the course of 80 minutes, not everything's going to go your way. It's how you react to when things don't go your way and you can't drop your bundle. And at no stage did um, the Warriors drop the bundle. I mean, the first try came, what? <laughs> you know, we'd barely sat down in our seats and Newcastle's on the board and you'd have reason to think, oh, here we go. <laughs> Big off-season and here's the first try minutes in. Well, Newcastle only get one other try for the course of the match. I mean, that's a really impressive facet out of the game. I know there's lots of things within the match out of that, but I thought better than just a, a good win from the Warriors. Not a great win, but somewhere in between. Okay, fine. Uh, there was uh, an upset, uh, two-time uh, double back-to-back champions, uh, beaten by the Broncos, 13-12. Yeah, well, I, I've got a few takeaways from this, um, and it's all to do with Penrith. Obviously, the Broncos very good, but... Um, I stand by my remarks after the World Club Challenge that Penrith cannot possibly be a better side than last year. Uh, I don't even think they can be the same side. Without Coruscant and without Kikau, I thought it was rammed home on World Club Challenge night. And now I think even more so, having watched them against NRL opposition as well, um, I just don't see... But, to temper that, Smithy, their defence still can be as good. And, And... you know, while you can say, oh, they've lost the World Club Challenge at home, they've lost, you know, first round of Brisbane at home, they've still only conceded two tries in each of those games. So, you know, there's no, there's nothing fatal about what's happened to Penrith early, um, even if they were favourites for both of those games. Their defence is still going to have them as a heavyweight in this competition. Don't be riding off the Panthers. But their attack has work to do with those two spearheads out of it. And that is so obvious to even myself that's never, you know, to, to all fans, I think, even to the most mm. ardent Penrith fan, their attack has dropped back a couple of gears without those two weapons, Coruscant and Kikau, in it.
Right, interesting. We'll keep an eye on uh, how that trends uh, in the early rounds of uh, the competition. Seagulls, Bulldogs, 31-6, expected? Oh, well, yes and no. Um, look, the Bulldogs tried hard, but uh, boy, in key positions, it just didn't happen. Matt Burton did not have a good day, um, you know, highlighted by failings around that. I mean, we had a Philly Army kick out, kick out on the full at one stage, which was just embarrassing for the Bulldogs. So not much went right for them. I'd probably rather praise the winners. Uh, Manly came in off the back of a, a good pre-season. The two wins, they won the pre-season challenge, the money. And, and on a Saturday afternoon, a three o'clock game, Smithy, Sydney time, a full house at Four Pines Park, which is, you know, Brookvale Oval. It's so heartwarming as a rugby league fan to that, and it's almost like it went to script. And Daly Cherry Evans getting three tries. If you had to name a player of the round, um, mixed in with some very good performances, Cherry Evans would be the standout player from the round. What a what a start of the year. Now very much a veteran halfback, but a hat-trick, a field goal. He didn't need the tries to be a star player. He was He was outstanding. Really good signs for Manly under new coach Anthony Seabold. And importantly, a successful comeback from injury for Tom Trebojevic. Good signs for Manly. I'm getting, I'm getting to the Dolphins. Don't you worry about that. But I need to, to <laughs> yes. I need to just inch, inch my way there. Um, Raiders uh, 19, Cowboys 18. What do you make of that one? Oh, I loved the game. Loved it. Um, what I saw early from the Cowboys with ball in hand was scintillating. Like seriously, Smithy, they got they're they're going to be thereabouts again this year. That's no fluke. They they will build on. Uh, last year, but the Raiders fight back, you know, going to Townsville, early season, 4.30 kickoff local time, down 18-0, a lot to like about Canberra, um, and, and could have won, could easily have won, a Chad Townsend field goal, five minutes from full time, I really enjoyed that contest, um, with plenty of positives for both teams, but obviously the Cowboys feeling a little better about themselves having got the two competition points. Interesting. Um, one of the interesting sidelines uh, of the Tigers match um, against uh, the Titans, which the Titans go off and win, incidentally, uh, 22-18 at Leichhardt Oval, was there was no bunker. So we're back to the old days. No. Yeah, no, we had, and, and it affected the uh, broadcast too. We had huge uh, technical issues there as well. Um, the feed, the hub, where, the, you know, where a lot of the technical stuff, the feed comes back in at satellite. I don't want to bore our listeners, but that all crashed. So they had to go back old school. And so the video referee just sat up in, the, um, in one of the radio boxes. They always have a referee on standby, Smithy, by the way, at games. But, you know, they do bugger all, basically. They just sit there and watch like the rest of us. But um, this time, that standby, Matt Noyan it was, had to sit up there with only one monitor and be the video referee. So when things were referred, he didn't have the, the 38,000 screens to look at. He just had the one screen and had to make a decision. But that aside, I thought, again, there's the R word. Gold Coast had resilience... I don't know whether the Tigers did. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Certainly not at the level the Titans had. I thought Titans' goal line defence away from home in front of, you know, a really passionate Tigers crowd was a, was a really gutsy performance. And the Tigers sometimes, again, harder they tried, worse they got. Um, you know, in patches looked okay. Adam Dewey was very good there, 5'8", attacking on the right side. But, yeah, clunky is a word that used a lot. Tigers were very much that. And... Uh, yeah, it was disappointing. Bull- Bulldogs and Tigers fans had such a positive off-season, Smithy. To play mm. like they did first up w- was really disappointing. And now pressure builds rapidly in the NRL. You know, Tigers, Bulldogs, are the, do either want to be 0-2? Um, you know, they've got to bounce back this week.
Right, well, uh, just before we leave uh, that Titans performance, how about uh, how big was David Fafita? 206 metres. Good. Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, and let's hope it's... A, look, it's not just a Titans point of view. Um, as a rugby league fan, I want to see David Fafita starring every week because he's a beast. Um, so it's good for the game if David Fafita uh, carries that on. Um, he, he hasn't achieved his potential yet, Smithy. We've seen how good he can be, but he's way short of achieving his potential. I mean, he, he does things that few others can do that have ever done in the history of our game. He, he, he becomes untouchable at his best. And he's, he's, he's up against blokes who, you know, can lift small cars above their head and he makes them look silly. So David Fafita, you talk about your, your weapons. I mean, if he can tap into that sort of form, if that's just the, the start of it, well, that's going to be a, a huge plus for the Titans this year. And perhaps I've, um, I've underrated them going into this season because I didn't have them as a, a top eight contender. Okay, speaking of uh, underrated, let's get to it. Um, yep. No one was, in fact, you know, sweepstakes around the place. No one wanted the Dolphins, you know. No one wanted to have a bar of them in this first season. Uh, they got the horror draw, everyone thought, first up. They're going to get a drubbing, so let's just um, let's be kind to them and move on. My goodness me. Um, yeah. Anything but. Uh, that is, uh, to me, uh, look, uh, we, we throw uh, all sorts of uh, plaudits around. Uh, we mm. tend to do that in a knee-jerk situation. But what about... A coaching performance there to drag yeah. that all together straight away. Oh, Smithy, I'll declare it. It's one of, it's one of the great wins. It's, it goes down as one of the great wins that you'll see. Um, at one point, I thought they were going to get past 40. I mean, they took on the Roosters. The Roosters led 12-6. And then the Dolphins just physically you know, battered them. I mean, Felice Cafusi, the hits he put on. Jeremy Marshall King at a hooker was sensational. Um, Hamaso Tabuai Fido at the back, fantastic. Um, and, the, and the others went with him. Sean O'Sullivan was very good, Smithy, at halfback. Um, and then we get to the coach. I said in commentary at the end, very much tongue planted in cheek, I reckon this, this bloke, Bennett, has a bit of a future in coaching. Let me just remind our listeners, he's 73 years of age. He started coaching 47 years ago. His first year as a coach is 1976 with Ipswich. It's not until 1987 that he coaches down at the Raiders in the New South Wales Rugby League, but by that time he's had a decade of coaching experience in Queensland. It is 35 years ago that he coached Brisbane in their first game at Lang Park and was the maestro behind a 44-10 victory over the defending champions Manly. 35 years later, lightning strikes again. You know, he, he, he gets a team together that beat one of the heavyweights. They weren't the defending premiers, but the Roosters are many people's favourites for this year. It's an amazing win. And Bennett could sit back there and curl his mo and be very, very proud of what he's achieved. He is a national treasure here, Smith. He's a, he's a well, more than a national. He's a, he's, a, he's a treasure to rugby league, and the game is so much better. We, we missed him last year. We've got him back this year at 73. Long may he reign. Long may he reign. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you've given him plenty there, and I, I completely understand why, why you have, but uh, when you look at those numbers, when you look at those numbers and that history within the game, and this is a, this is a game that doesn't regard coaches too lightly. Yeah, yeah, look, agreed, Smitty, agreed. So that was in terms of, um, from, his, from his time with Canberra in 1987, where he was um, a co-coach with Don Ferner that first year, 
it's 891 games. But as I say, you are dismissing his previous 10 years. I mean, the Queensland competition was a was an elite competition north of the border, north of the New South Wales-Queensland border. So he's now coached up over 1,000 games, Smithy. Over 1,000. And yet yesterday, yeah, you could argue he's had, outside of premierships, his finest moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, mm. that's incredible. That, that is incredible from Wayne Bennett, what he did. And, and you could just see after the game when he went up to each player individually and, and players, yeah, you could tell they want to play for him. So I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season for the Dolphins, but what I do know is he has created some sort of very positive culture very quickly, Wayne Bennett, and what he wants the side to be, and that is tough, resilient, there's the R word again, Yeah, hit hard, run hard, and, and see where that gets us in games, and yesterday it was good enough to win. All right, uh, let's um, look at um, the backlash that's likely to be with uh, Joey Manu coming back, Jared Wairira Hargraves coming back this week. Mm. Uh, the backlash could be strong. Yeah, uh, well, look, I, I think to dismiss the Roosters, I still, now on reflection, as I was calling it, you know, I'm quoting numbers and the Roosters' completion rate in the second half was dead set embarrassing, but then having watched the replay... Um, I don't think you're giving enough credit to the Dolphins. They batted, and it's a bit dramatic, but they batted the Roosters into submission. And Kafusi led it. There's no doubt about it. It wasn't, wasn't a try that turned the game. It was the defence. And, and, and they, um, they, they, they forced the Roosters into the mistakes. And then once they got behind, then they made errors of their own doing. So, yeah, it was a poor performance by the Roosters. But the opposition, you know, got that ball rolling. Um, because, you know, Tedesco was off his game. Kiri wasn't dominant. Um, Sam Walker didn't play a big part. Brandon Smith, you know, you'd say scratchy first NRL game for his new club. Um, yeah, a lot of football left out on the park for the Roosters. It is only one game, but it's incredible. Mm. Under Trent Robinson, Smith, are you aware they've only won three games? They've only won three round one games. They are notoriously slow starters, but yesterday was, second half in particular, was an awful performance. Okay, um, just finally, uh, just to touch on team I've got on the sweep actually, but disappointing, the Sharks first up against the Rabbitohs, 27-18. Oh, look, it was a good game. Um, you know, for, for 40, 50 minutes, I thought it was one of the games of the weekend and Cronulla were, were taking it to the Rabbits and, and, and you expected that. You know, they're two very good sides, but um, yeah, when it got, you know, push came to shove, the Rabbitohs finished far stronger and uh, again, rather than probably get too critical of the losers, I'd rather back the winners here. I thought South Sydney were very good. And what impressed me even more, Smithy, and it's maybe a little scary for other sides, see, they won in that grand style without Cody Walker doing a whole lot. Like, normally Cody Walker will be in your best one, two, three players. Well, I couldn't have had him the other night. Lachlan Ilias, the young halfback, <laughs> so good. Latrell Mitchell's touches were good. Um, Keon Kaloa-Matungi on that right edge, wow. How good's he now? And coming back from World Cup experience as well, I, I saw a lot to like about the Rabbitohs and feel they can get better and quickly. And Thursday night, you know who they play? They play Penrith. What a, what a huge game early in the season. South's in form and Penrith still trying to find what their form's going to be. Um, that is a, a huge game to start this week, Thursday night. Uh, just before we let you go, um, I know it happened a, a two or three days ago, but... Uh, how about uh, Australia under Steve Smith and that uh, turnaround game? Oh, where does it rank, Smithy? Where does it rank? It's got to be one of the great mm. test wins. If we could somehow go back 
and and erase the madness of the day of the sweep where Australia just imploded. Is there a chance we could be leading this series 2-1? You know, mm. because we were in a position to put up a total there for India and we just absolutely, you know, this, the five dismissals to the sweep was just crazy stuff. But could have been leading this series 2-1. I mean, nine wickets. A nine-wicket win over India in India on a turning wicket. The ball was going mm. sideways after half an hour. That's one of the great wins too, Smithy. One of the great wins. Totally agree. I actually totally agree. Uh, when you consider the squad that they took over there, it's not looking like the squad that uh, they're going to bring home. Captain not there, Warner not there, um, you know, and these young kids, um, Kuhneman, Murphy, another good test match for him, and, of course, the old goat, the old goat from New South Wales. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nathan Lyon, wow, eight for, yeah, that was, a, that, that was great. So, so bring on the fourth test. Wow, what a time to be uh, here on the SEN Network, hey, Smithy. We get to talk sport yep. 24-7, and it's coming out of our you-know-wheres. I mean... So much happening. You've got blokes doing slow, uh, throat-slitting motions in their super rugby. Uh, oh. We've got the, 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 the NBL series. That's incredible. The, the away teams win games one and game two of a final series. And then all the rugby league news as well. It's fantastic. Look, I've got to pay overtime for this, but one more question. How would the NRL do with this throat-slitting gesture, the NRL well, judiciary? Or would well, they? I think we've had one. I think we've had one. I'm trying to think. Justin Hodges, I reckon, did it. I hope I'm not putting him wrong, but I, I seem to remember it. it has happened and action was taken. I don't know about the, the four to 12 weeks. Someone said they could get as much as 12. I don't know about that. I mean, I've got a real problem with the Melbourne Rebels player who went to the referee. I think he should be charged as mm. well, being a sook. That's what I'd do. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. It's either great theatre, Smithy, or you are going to put it up high and say, well, you don't want this in the game. You can't have that. But... I, I think I don't think it needs a massive penalty. I'll be honest. That's me. Don't think it means a massive. And they say, oh, terrible example to kids and all the rest. Well, parents play your bit and say you don't do that, kids. You don't do that. But he is playing Super Rugby, so um, yep. suspension fine, but not on the real heavy side for mine. I think I'm leading the way of great theatre. Okay, good on you. Thanks, Fossey. I think the majority is as well. It's eleven twenty-four. Have a terrific week, mate. Uh, thanks for Will that. Do, um, Ex- extensive review, really appreciate it. Uh, 11.24 here. Vossi will have a great week uh, on his show, 11.70, SEN in Sydney, throughout the week with Brandy every day except for Wednesdays. Um, so if you uh, can, uh, download that app or uh, just you're in the, the New South Wales area on holiday or whatever, that is the show to listen to in the morning. So it is uh, coming up to 11.25 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Okay, uh, we've got a bit of drama unfolding at uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational where uh, Kurt Katayama has just hit a magnificent putt. Oh, he's left it on the lip, but he's just won about $3 million New Zealand dollars with one of the great putts. He's won from uh, Rory McIlroy and Harris English. Uh, they would have had a playoff uh, had he not been able to two-putt. Well, he's just about knocked it in from 47 feet 4 inches for over $3 million. Wow, his first win on the PGA Tour. But we're heading to the sports desk. Uh, Logan Swinkles, what have you got for us? 
Well, you talk about drama. I could hear the uh, sales team. They're clearly watching the golf because they were <laughs> reacting to that shot as you were, Smithy. Uh, IndyCar, plenty of drama as well. They're back. It was the St. Petersburg Grand Prix. You remember uh, Scott McLaughlin won there last year. Unfortunately, not to be this time around, the victor went to Marcus Ericsson. Well, he drove like we have never seen him drive to win the Indianapolis 500 last May. And now Marcus Ericsson in the Husky Chocolate Honda is a winner again, but this time on the streets of St. Petersburg. Delivers Chip Ganassi the first victory of a new season in the most eventful race. So you could hear how excited he was there, Smithy. Uh, not to be so much for the New Zealand races. Marcus Armstrong in his rookie debut, actually, in his uh, yeah rookie debut, rookie season, didn't do too bad. Uh, but Mar- Scott Dixon, he came third. He started ninth. Bit of drama there. He caused a crash right there at the start, but it wasn't the only crash to happen. Uh, the big one came with Scott McLaughlin as he knocked out uh, the, the the race leader. It was basically between him, uh, Scott McLaughlin. I'm trying to find my notes. I'm all over the place this morning. Uh, Grosjean. And, uh, yeah, you can imagine Scotty McLaughlin wasn't feeling too happy about it afterwards. This is what he had to say. Well, unfortunately, there are more drivers that are disappointed. Scott McLaughlin looked like he might be able to back up his first win with another win here. Tell me about the incident with Grosjean and both of you into the tires. Uh, look, first and foremost, I'm uh, very sorry to Romain and um, he's a friend of mine and, and uh, I know we we're both going for the win there and I just made a big mistake. I just, uh, I, well, I tried to push on cold tires. I just didn't have the grip on the inside there like I did on the greens and locked the rears and um, yeah, unfortunately made wheel contact that time just took us both out so look I don't race like that I apologize I feel like I've had plenty of good battles with many good drivers um, yeah just got it for my Dex Imaging Chevy crew I think the Dex Imaging car was great the Chevy fuel mileage was great I just I just made a stuff up man and you have those you have the good days you have your bad days and I really do apologize for Romain and I'll go see him soon if there's any consolation several other championship contenders did not have good points days and I heard Kyle Morey your strategist on the radio is that okay this is one we'll go get him the next time how do you try to quickly regroup with some time off I don't I don't care about that right now I'm I concentrate on my own mistakes and uh, yeah I need to be better than that I need to make better decisions but ultimately I think uh, I, I was just racing for the win, man. I, I knew we could have had a chance if I got out in front of him at turn four there. And yeah, big apology. I just was racing hard, man. And I promise I don't race like that. I just, uh, yeah, very gutted. But anyway, it's, we finished the race. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go man up and go see Romain now. So you can hear just how disappointed Scott McLaughlin there was in his voice, Smithy. That all happened on lap 22 when he did take out uh, Romain Grosjean. He took, uh, Scott McLaughlin took a penalty for that. He ended up finishing 13th. Marcus Armstrong, as I said earlier, he finished 11th. So he was the top rookie to, to win. So that was awesome to see. Uh, so that's the Kiwis in action at IndyCar. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for that uh, update. And of course, that happens uh, most Monday mornings. Uh, so we'll uh, continue to keep you invested in that as well. So, uh, yep, uh, mixed fortunes there for the Kiwi drivers. But uh, for Kurt uh, Kitayama, has just won uh, the 
Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's his first uh, PGA Tour win, 50 starts, and as I said, around about uh, $3.5 New Zealand dollars about to go in the bank, and life-changing, as they say. Uh, we won't be giving away $3.5 million New Zealand dollars, but we could be giving away 50 bucks. Uh, that's what we do here around 11.30 on uh, most mornings uh, with the Stump Smithy competition. Uh, a bonus bet from the TAB for 50 bucks. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Araha with the news when we come back. Brian will be waiting for your calls. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, it's a new week here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're playing Stumped for a $50 TAB bonus bet. Smithy will get straight into it. John from Christchurch is at the crease. He's ready to go. How you doing, mate? I'm good, pal. How are you doing? How are you, Smithy? Yeah, pretty good after the weekend. Uh, watch a lot of great sport, I think it's fair to say. So, uh, John, yeah, um, Crusaders back in action, um, back uh, where they want to be in their winning ways without Scott Robertson too. And our, uh, our thoughts are with Scott Robertson, I wasn't able to be there. So, uh, John, this morning... Uh, we have got to what subjects, uh, Logan? Well, for those listening at home, just quickly, this is how the game works. We do have three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot to $100 tomorrow. Now, today's topics for you, John, are football, rugby union, and rugby league. Oh, uh, let's go rugby league, eh? Nice, good luck. All right, let's see uh, if you're paying attention to the Warriors. First question. They've opened their 2023 NRL season with a scrappy 2012 victory over the Knights in Wellington. Two Warriors ran for the most metres in that match with 204 each. Can you name one of those players? Uh, well, I haven't really been listening to it, actually, um, for the, that. Um, can I name one of those big players? Who would that be? 204 metres. Um, Chance Pickle-Coxted. Oh. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Great guess, yes, Mel. It was a good guess, too, because I didn't actually think he had that great a game in the first half. So that's a pretty good guess. I'll hell, take that one. Yeah, hell of a game in the second half, though. Smithy... Can you pick who the other player was? Was it Tohu Harris? I know he had a terrific defensive game. I was, no? I was looking for Marcelo Montoya. Okay, fair enough. Does he play for Mexico? <laughs> Does today. <laughs> uh, second question for you, John. Who scored the first points for the Warriors in that match? Cosby. Edward Cosby, is it? That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, looking for a big season there from Ed Cossie Smithy. No, yeah, I think he will have a big season too. Uh, I, you know, I, I think they'll all grow from that performance. I, I was, I, in a way, I was glad that they won in a tight, sort of scrappy fashion because that's what they said they had to be better at. Mm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And as. Vossi said earlier, quite likely that game last year, they definitely would have lost. Last question for you, John. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. Tohu Harris had a typical Warriors captain's knock that included a game-high 51 tackles and a beautiful short ball, which led to that Cossie try. Who did Harris deliver that short ball to? Oh, 
Oh, um, God. Oh, God. Um, well, if it's not Kosi, um, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to have to go Kosi. I don't know. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That is one heck of a question from Brian, but it was one heck of a try as well, to be fair. Smithy, do you know the answer? Um, did he deliver that ball? Did he deliver that ball to Sean Johnson, who offloaded? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He was a man that we had Sam Ackerman on Friday who said he's very quickly going to become his new favourite warrior, Mitchell Barnett. Ah. Mitchell Barnett, oh, well, well there you go eh? Mitchell Barnett, so uh, congratulations to you uh, John, um, you are hey, the first winner of the week and Brian will, Brian, will, work, eh? yeah, Brian will have your details there, Brian will have your details and uh, we'll get the, the money to you as soon as possible, it's coming up 11.41 here on SCNZ if you're feeling a bit flat covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the New Zealand Sail GB team have uh, boosted hopes of a good performance on home waters with confirmation that their boat will be ready for the Christchurch regatta and that is after extensive repairs. So if you're on the live on the main trunk line between uh, Auckland and uh, Christchurch at uh, some point you see a boat going past on a train uh, you'll know exactly what's going on because uh, Amakura uh, the 50, F50 catamaran will be trained from Auckland tonight following a successful overhaul um, based uh, at the uh, technology base in uh, Walkworth actually uh, it was fried in Singapore they said in January when it was struck by lightning after winning that regatta so uh, New Zealand were forced to use a borrowed boat in Sydney last month, only finished sixth. Amakura, helmed of course by Peter Burling, has helped them to three regatta wins and a second place on the uh, season's points table. And the Kiwis were desperate to get it back for Littleton, which is uh, not that far away actually, March 18th and 19th. What a great uh, spectacle that will be. Uh, just uh, recapping uh, some football results from... The EPL, of course, um, in the latest round, uh, Wolves beat uh, Spurs 1-0. Southampton beat Leicester 1-0. Uh, Nottingham Forest with Chris Wood starting but not scoring. Drew 2-0 with Everton. Uh, Manchester City uh, 2, Newcastle 0. Uh, Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. And that was after they were 2-0 down, Arsenal. They were 2-0 down. So um, outstanding performance from them to come back. And uh, they're still absolutely, uh, for me anyway, I think they're favourites to go on and win. Uh, the EPL this year, and for the Phoenix, uh, of course, uh, beating Newcastle 2-1, so at this point um, on the table, they are a fourth equal with the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, yes, and Brendan Jones, 48-year-old Brendan Jones, uh, we focused uh, on the American golf a little while ago, but uh, Brendan Jones, uh, the Australian, uh, the winner of the New Zealand Golf Open, um, the ninth Australian to win it in its last 10 years, the ninth Australian, so they love coming over here, Excellent purse, won by three strokes after uh, teeing off in the morning, not thinking he had much hope at all. So it's what pressure does. Uh, really interesting and good performance from Ben Campbell, who was second. Uh, Kazumi Kabori, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, he was four back. And what a prospect this kid uh, out of Christchurch is going to be. Kazuma Kabori, keep an eye on him. And uh, Michael Hendry, too, uh, had a good finish after a rocky start, but had a pretty good finish, Logan. 
Yeah, and you were following on the uh, PGA Tour there uh, before with uh, Kurt Kitayama winning. This is what he gets for winning the 2023 Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's fully exempt through the 2026 PGA Tour season. He gets the 550 FedEx, point, uh, FedEx Cup points. And then he also gains spots in the Players' Championship, the Masters, the PGA Championship, and the 2024 Century Tournament of Champions on top of the $3.6 million US dollars prize money. Uh, and now, Smithy, I, we didn't have time for it before in the sports desk, but I wanted to bring it up. The Sevens is in Vancouver at the moment. The All Blacks men's uh, crashed out and will be playing uh, in the fifth place playoff against the USA. That kicks off at 12.41 New Zealand time. Uh, but in the women's, it's once again, it's all down to Australia and New Zealand. The final between the two, between the Blackfern Sevens there, 2.56pm. And in, in that series, in the women's series so far, I mean, Australia won the first one in Dubai. New Zealand have won the last three. So they're looking to go four in a row. It's amazing how the two of them just spread themselves from the rest of the field. And uh, congratulations to the organisers who keep drawing them so they don't meet in semi-finals, I think. But uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a hell of a contest developing there. And yeah, uh, shame for the the men's sevens um, because they tend to get overshadowed, don't they, by the women's outstanding performance. They're sort of always uh, considered second. They do, but I guess that's what you get when you have performances like that. When you have that kind of consistency that we see from the Blackfern Sevens, they build that followership up, Smithy. They build up that fanship, and there's a lot of people that want to see them win, and they do it all the time. Yeah, they beat France um, 36-7. 36-7, that is a whopping thing. Yeah, uh, Headlines this morning basically uh, around about uh, Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin, of course. We heard that... Uh, uh, interview from Scott McLaughlin and he did sound really down in the dumps about it. Uh, just finally before uh, you go um, this morning, Logan, Artie, thumbs up or thumbs down for Artie? What's your gut feeling? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same ilk of, I think, of a lot of you guys. I think this, just move on. He's apologised. He's realised what he's done wrong. Yeah, he covered all his bases with the apology, but I think he just knows what he did wrong. He got an earful from his parents as well. Isn't that enough punishment enough? You got a call from your dad after the game to say, what the hell are you doing son? Your mum was in the stands as well that's not, that's not on, cut it out the kids are watching uh, I just hope the judiciary uh, plays some common sense here. Don't throw a big ban I just think that's creating a bigger issue than it actually is Yeah I'll be interested to see this actually. I'll be really interested because uh, it was they, it was the judiciary, the match officials that um, have decided to take it further. It's uh, no one else complaining or what have you. It's just an official thing. And when, when officials uh, bring people to um, a judiciary, you, you kind of fear for the end result. So two days down the track, let's hope um, emotions are, are out of the way and they looked at it on a more, I guess, reasonable basis but, and take the emotion out of it. But I've got, I got a sneaking suspicion we might be talking about this uh, a little bit this week because uh, Artie may just be watching a bit of rugby coming up. It's 11.52. Interesting to get Staff's take on it very shortly.